Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. Do you ever have those conversations that just flow? You connect, you have a mutual understanding, and you could literally talk for hours. My next guest is called Johnny Lawrence. He's not from The Karate Kid, but he's perhaps even got a stronger message. Johnny's a self-development coach. He's the founder of the School of Self-Development, and he's also the host of the Self-Development Podcast. This is the 100th episode of the Move Your Mind Podcast, and if I think back to 2020, during COVID when we launched this, I just would have never imagined that we would interview so many amazing people from gold medal winning athletes to politicians to activists to wellness coaches, psychologists, psychiatrists and everyone in between. And we really could not do this without you. I know I say this all the time, but the feedback from you, from our support base, means the world. There have been so many times, so many occasions where I've had messages from people that have gone and made real change in their life because of a message that they've heard on the podcast, from the book, from a talk, from a video, whatever it is. That's what makes me want to spread these messages in any format that I can to just get information across, not because I have the answers, but because I just want to be able to help facilitate bringing you the best information from the most credible people that I can get on this podcast. So thank you again. And if you'd like to join the Move Your Mind community, you can go to moveyourmind.me. And if you'd like to purchase the Move Your Mind book, you can go to nickbrax.com slash book. Johnny, mate, thank you for, for making the time. And we we're, were chatting before. And um, as I think happened the first time, I, I think the two of us just sort of got on well and understood a lot about what each other were talking about. And we probably should have just started recording because a lot of these conversations, you know, we go on these different tangents and it turns into something. So as, as it happens a lot with these podcasts. So anyway, I'm glad to um, have you on here, mate. Well, as we established the first time, I think we're, what's it? We called ourselves philosophical twins. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We, we resonate on quite a lot of things. So yeah, it's not surprising that our hour long chats take about two. <laughs> 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 I love it. I love it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, no, it's so true. And I think it's great, you know, in the in this space that we're in, um, being able to connect with people that, you know, have have that similar mindset and similar view on things. And it's always refreshing. And, and I guess that's what we're trying to do with, you know, doing these podcasts, just encourage um, these kind of conversations and being able to look at things from, you know, a certain way and being able to spark that, I think. And a lot of people want to hear it. That's what I've you know, found with my podcast, a lot of people find it really refreshing just to hear people having, you know, more on open conversations and especially, you know, with men as well, we're sort of not mm. taught to necessarily talk that way. I mean, is, is that something you found a lot with your work and with what you do? People, when they do, um, you know, hear these messages a lot of the time, they might be looking for it, but not have the permission to actually talk about it. They, it's sort of a relief almost to be able to 
feel like, oh, I can actually, you know, talk about these different things and my emotions and whatever else. Yeah, I mean, I think it can be quite dangerous to be our own counsel, can't it? It can be very dangerous to sort of ask ourselves questions and answer those questions um, too. And to sort of, you know, be the gatekeepers of our own mind. You know, I mean, it's good to defend what comes in, but actually sometimes knowing what's going on in your own mind and then making sense of it yourself can be a bit dangerous. <laughs> so yeah. it's, that's why yeah. it's so important that you meet the right people and you talk to the right people and you build that trust and you build that um, that sort of relationship with other like men to men, you know, like you and I talking, you know, it it would have been in my in my life unheard of almost uh, 20 years ago for two men's to, two men to be sat together talking about emotions you know there would be loads of people uh, making judgments about that but now I think it's important because um if I say to you oh I'm going through this thing at home and this is what's happening and this is how I feel about it and and this is this is the sort of behavior I've been going through and you turn around to me and go oh mate yeah yeah, that happened to me straight away. I've got value from this conversation <laughs> because I yes. feel heard. I feel seen. I don't feel like I'm strange or anything like that. I feel a little bit like, right, someone can hear me. This is good. Someone someone can see me. This is good. You know, it's, it's got a lot of value, I think. Massively. And, you know, and I, I, I experience that, you know, regularly in, in my own life. You know, there'll be things I'm currently struggling with. And you, even after, you know, doing a lot of this work and, understanding it you know on a mm. conceptual level it's very easy to get caught back up into thing you know but you know no but this struggle's unique and what's wrong with me and why am i like why am i finding this so hard and then you talk to someone or you hear something and instantaneously it's like oh you know relief like i'm not there's yeah. not I'm, I'm not fucked up like there, there's yeah. something you know I, i'm 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 not unique like other people feel these same things in different ways and we need to hear it you know and it, it's like what i say a lot of the time like i um, have been in this industry for over 10 years and um, done so many talks and so much work in this area. But the, really the core thing that I did when I first started was just standing up, being vulnerable, sharing my story, and that's what, what worked. And really that's the, the core of what still works now above everything else, you know, in, a, in simple terms. Well, the beautiful thing about you doing that is that it'd be very easy to understand why people might make some natural assumptions about you. You know, good looking guy in great shape, has a relative success in the grand scheme of the world. And they can make all these assumptions about you, I'm sure. And I'm sure you've experienced that. But I can tell you straight up that that's not the case at all. That, you know, you are a genuine person. You, you are exactly as you've seen. There's no sort of like hidden agendas or anything like that, that I can see anyway. So and I think that's that's cool. That's cool because people would make all these assumptions that it's easy for you because, you know, because because you're an attractive guy, because you've you've got influence, because you've got money potentially, you know, that all of these things magically become easy. But uh, as you may have well experienced, I've spoken to many people that have cried just as easily in their Ferraris as they would in a in a normal car, let's say. You know, so, you know, money doesn't buy happiness. Success doesn't buy happiness. Sometimes it can actually buy you some unhappiness. So it's about knowing that, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, exactly, mate, exactly. It, it can it can buy you, 100% can buy you unhappiness because I think you get put on that treadmill where then you're, you're sort of, you're, you're stuck if, when, when you get in that pattern because then you're thinking, mm. okay, this is the thing I've strived for. You're almost addicted to that 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 chase and it hasn't it's like a drug it's filled that void you know momentarily and now what's next what's next and I talk so much I guess because I've been living in New York and just because of 
the conversations that come out of living in that place because it is just so freaking crazy there. Um, it comes up a lot. And we, we were talking about it before we started recording. Um, yeah. And I was saying to you, you know, like that's what I've experienced living there. You just, you meet so many people where um, you can tell they're, they're not happy, but they're just chasing their tail. They're addicted to stimulation. They can't sit still for more than two seconds. And it's all about actually convincing themselves more than the other person in a conversation that what we're doing is the best. There's nothing better we can be doing. This is mm. so great, blah, blah, blah. But they're just unhappy and they're not willing to sort of look at it from a different level. And it's not saying about what's right or wrong, but I think it's just, you know, really about being honest with ourselves about, hey, you know, is this actually sustainable um, yeah. for what I want out of life long term? And, we, you know, again, this is another thing we talked about before this started, sustainability. I think that's something that um, on all facets of life we don't, spend enough time talking about and thinking about but i think sustainability depends on how you're measuring it but for me everything is it everything yeah mostly everything comes back to being in alignment with your values because mm -hmm. if you're not in alignment with your values it won't be sustainable because you're not doing what makes you feel good you're not living true to who you are you're pretending to be someone else that does not sound sustainable <laughs> you know yeah. it doesn't sound yeah. sustainable but what people don't often realize is that yes we have values that are installed into us as we grow up right or wrong they might not be good values they might be good values they might be bad values they might be helpful values or might be unhelpful values but as they're installed in us as we grow up as we come from being a child you know a small child that's relatively helpless into a, uh, an adolescent and until a, and into an adult all of those values have to change because certain things challenge those values you know, when I, I can, I can guarantee you that my value system is not the same as when I was six. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, when I was yeah. six, I wanted to eat lots of sugar and run around and just be crazy. And if I did that now, I'd probably get locked up. <laughs> and yeah. then when, when I was 16, I probably had a very similar attitude to life. I just swapped the sugar for alcohol, more likely. And then um, as I get into 26 and, and 36, and it's like, I believe that there's every 10 years and if you if you want to systemize it you know let's say every decade of your life you know when you're born obviously you're, you're sort of at the mercy of the world when you get to 10 you start to build values when you get to 20 those values need to change because of you're 20 not 10 and the same when you're 30 a, a real common thing that challenges values in my opinion is having children you know, yeah. all of a sudden yeah. you have someone that's dependent on you and you have to make decisions differently. Should I go out and party till two in the morning? No, because <laughs> yeah. tomorrow your child is not going to care that you've got a hangover. <laughs> it's just not, <laughs> you know, so that changes your value so system. Yeah, yeah. And so when, when we talk about sustainability, I think sustainability in my eyes should be defined by your value system and are you in alignment with that? And a good a good sort of analogy that I use with clients is um, if you think of your value system much like your phone, right? So the I've, I've got an iPhone and every now and again, it will prompt me to do an update. Yeah. Yeah. And because yeah. I'm busy on my phone all the time, I don't have the time to update. And I keep telling myself, oh, I'll do it tonight or I do it tonight and I forget and I forget. And after a couple yeah. of weeks, my, my phone app stopped working efficiently things stop working on the phone and everything is is basically pointing towards, hey, you need to do this update on your phone. And that's a bit like our value mm. system. Our value system is the same. You know, we, we don't listen to these clear things that are sort of um, 
pushing up against our values, challenging our values. We don't listen to them. We just think, oh, maybe I'll just do it this one time or I might just do it for a little while and then I'll stop. And I'm not going to do it forever. But actually you yeah. end up doing it for such a long time that things in your life just stop working the same, you know? So that's when it's time to look back. And and as we know, with all change, it the first step to change is about awareness. If you're doing something in your life, maybe you're doing something, you're selling something in a certain way that doesn't align with your 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 values if you keep doing that you're going to cause damage to yourself you know you are i think you know so it's important that you become aware of it and then then obviously the next step of change is to take accountability for it to say hey listen this is on me to change it you know it's not down to anybody else and then after that you know you might have to accept a few things and then move forward but yeah i agree if something is unsustainable i believe it needs to be measured up against your value system in short No, well, I, I I love that point. I think that's a very very. I love the example with the iPhone, and I think it's a mm. a really well good great way you've put it, and and just such a like good way to look at it because otherwise we could sort of feel like we're flying blind, or we might have mm. you know we might sort of be putting pressure on trying to change certain things. But again, like you said, how's it going to be sustainable if it's about if it's not tied intrinsically to you know what we really care about, what what mm. we value, what we want, um, so being able to take that, you know, pause and really work out what are my values, and then regularly check in on those, like what you're saying, I think mm. is is so important. And I know you know in my own life, I've always and you know to this day, whenever whenever you're sort of going against it, you can feel in your gut, okay, something feels wrong, and it feels yeah. it's and it's like a weight. It's like you can feel this heaviness, and you just know that something's not right and then if you can stop and actually look and do what you're saying and okay let's check in you know where are my values what where am i at what 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 am i doing you can often say okay i'm i'm sort of this is not aligned how do i reassess this and yeah i think we all know that feeling yeah you're right and 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 we become really well practiced at ignoring that feeling you know, yeah. and th- then we start to believe that, you know, something, you know, I, I'm depressed or I'm happy or I'm anxious. A lot of anxiety comes from, you know, you're not aligned with your values, you know, um, you're having to yeah. do something and it, it doesn't make you a bad person. That, that sounds like I'm saying, oh, you're a bad person if you're not living out your values. But I, a, a real good indicator of this is I remember when I first moved to Cornwall in, in the UK where I live now and um, my, my wife and I were looking for jobs and she was desperate to get work and she took a job um, basically collecting money off people for uh, on the phones. And they did all this training with her to, to help her basically put pressure on people to, to pay up and stuff. Now, my wife is one of the kindest, most honest people you'll ever meet. It did not align with her values. She was so unhappy, so unhappy in yeah. her job. And it's because she, there, there was a risk, to be honest, at one point that she was going to start paying people's bills. <laughs> so I was like, listen, <laughs> you, might, you might have to leave this job. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> when, some, when something's out of alignment with you, it feels a certain way. And people become really good at ignoring that feeling. But what you practice grows stronger. You know, we, we, we have to realize that if we're living out of our alignment with our values, we have to take a pause, as you put it. And um and just reassess, you know, and make changes, you know, there'll always be necessary, it'll always be necessary for there to be compromise, it's very unusual for you to get everything you want in life, isn't it, you know, you're always going to have to compromise, but I think knowing that you're, you're doing your best to live in alignment with your values, or simply just knowing what your values are, you know, a lot of the time, if people are out of alignment with their values, they don't even realize, 
they don't realize yeah. and you know sometimes you might have to compromise certain things um in order to move forward um and that's okay as long as you know that's what you're doing <laughs> exactly no and yeah, yeah you don't realize and and i think um at realizing that you know we have choices we don't have mm. to always go with, like the example you said there you know we we can reassess things and we can make changes and we don't have to get it perfect but we can also if we do make the wrong choice or it doesn't feel like it works for us we, there's always another another option available yeah. to us and obviously sometimes we might be in a position where you don't you know you just you have to work you have to get a certain job you need money you you know you're in a situation where you you feel stuck and there's certain um practicalities but at the same time it's reminding yourself that there's always another way to approach mm. things and we can you know ha having that mindset i think is really important yeah and sometimes i think we can allow other people to push their value systems on us and that can be quite dangerous because um you know especially if you go into a new job and everyone shares the same values or it's it's growing amongst the, the workforce uh, a, a trend or a culture and it gets yep. taken on as like a value system and then you're sort of expected to toe the line you know and, and do that exactly. and if you don't like for example I, i'm sober i don't drink any alcohol and that's my choice but one of the things that i made sure i didn't do from the beginning was become one of those people that preached it to other people or even gave the impression that i didn't like drinking or didn't think or thought drinking was bad I don't have any issues with drinking. I love it when people are drinking around me and they're having fun and all those things. Um, it just didn't work for me. People say to me, oh, why did you give up alcohol? And I say, because I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> it's, yeah. as, it's as simple as that. But, you know, I wasn't very good at it. And due to some sort of pretty significant childhood trauma, I, um, I use that as a way to avoid my emotions for quite a long time. But I, you know, I could go into a job now and everyone, there's a heavy drinking culture. I have a choice. Obviously, I'm not going to drink alcohol, but how do I handle that situation? You know, what do I do? Do I, you know, at some point, somewhere in there, there's a compromise, you know, I'm not going to yeah. get everyone to, to not drink around me. That's not, that's not a thing. I'm not going to neither want that or would pursue that. But what will often happen is other people will say, will be almost, it will offend them that I don't drink. You know, I, I'm accepting yeah. that everyone around me drinks, but they're they're not of me. They're like they think I'm strange or weird or whatever. You know, and it's just they're like you don't drink any alcohol. It's like completely unbelievable to them. <laughs> they're like, really? It's like, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> things do challenge it all the time. <laughs> Which is another thing to navigate, and I guess that's other people. You know, either just not having that, just being you know shocked, or or mm. projecting you know their own. Um, their their own insecurities onto you i've seen that a lot of the time when when you know periods where i have stopped drinking and and people will be wanting to wanting to encourage you to have a drink with them because they yeah. don't want to have it reflecting to them that oh does that mean maybe i should reassess my behavior yeah. as well yeah. and, you know and there's no like you said no judgment no right or wrong but um i think it just goes for anything that we're doing you know whatever it is we um it's not going to again be very you know it's going to be hard to navigate if we're putting provisions on okay I, I want to quit drinking but i can only do it if i isolate myself from any situation where it's going to be presented to me or people are going to ask me to drink or ask why i'm not drinking or you know project all these things um then how, how the hell are you going to stop so it's got to be how do i 
you know, live by this and still immerse in environments where it's around because that applies for so many things. You know, if we want to, I guess another example would be cutting down on, you know, using social media and screens and all that kind of thing. Like we, it's not practical to just, you know, go into a cave and hide away from the world because this stuff is part of the world and we use this technology to in our careers and in what we're doing. So we've got to find how do I, how do I actually find that balance where I still can be part of these things but use them in a healthy way and you know it's a constant navigation but I think finding that middle ground is a key to again you know going back to that word sustainability having that longevity in in these healthier behaviors for ourselves yeah I think it's about using boundaries to create harmony isn't it, it, it you know yeah. har- I hear people all the time talking about work-life balance and finding that balance but when we think about the word balance balance means the same when something is balanced, yeah. two things are equal. When I don't yeah. know if that's if that's achievable because there are I know I, I know for yourself, like hour to hour, your priorities change, right? Right now your priority priority is to talk to me on this, and then in a minute it'll be something else, and then in a minute it'll be something else, and then in a minute it'll be something else, you know? So our priorities always change. So I think it's about finding that harmony in life, you know, yes. where things feel right at the time, you know. And I think that comes with boundaries. Um I'll, you know, I love that certain boundaries need to be put in place it doesn't have to be anything harsh it just means you know there are certain things that we and you both understand you know like a boundary for you i know it isn't but a boundary for you might be hey johnny don't swear on my podcast and i'll be like cool. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and there you go it's we're, boundaries. We're, we're, we crossed that one quite early didn't we i, I crossed <laughs> that one <laughs> but yeah <laughs> well from what i've experienced about you you do that quite early doors anyway <laughs> <laughs> that's all right yeah (laughs) but that's you that's your authentic self and i love that i love that why should you compromise that it's your podcast (laughs) why not exactly it doesn't matter um no but i think it it, it, it's such a good point and having those 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 boundaries but then yeah i think when it comes to saying i need work-life balance and i need to you know we can create extra anxiety by trying to do things that aren't necessarily achievable. And I, mm. I mean, it might be different for other people, but I know like if I look at at life and how it, how it works, it's not really practical a lot of the time to, to be like, okay, this is my specific working time. This is my leisure mm. time. This is my blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, great. We can have like a, a rough idea about how we try and do that. And obviously, you know, not just become a workaholic and have no life outside of it, but there's got to be a bit of flow within all of it and how do we blend it you know together a bit more because that's how especially in this you know modern sort of day how um how things operate like it's just it's going to be very difficult if we're trying to be so rigid about everything so it's got to you know i think you're people so, can strive so too right. hard too yeah 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 you're so right because i mean i think for me that all became so much easier once I was able to to actually let go of any assumptions or expectations. Now that's a practice, don't get me wrong. I use the word practice all the time because it removes that pressure of perfection. You know, when we practice things, it means that we are open to the idea of sometimes that not really working out the way we want it, you know, or whatever. But I think once I let go of my assumptions and expectations, um, I was able to let go of, of, of a, or, or at least become aware of at the beginning some of my attachments and preferences and judgments of things. And once I did that, I realized that that's exactly what they were. (laughs) They were my attachments, my preferences, and my judgments. They're not fact. 
they're not right or wrong they are just what i think you know and once i realized that i was like right okay so now i need to be more open to maybe that i'm a bit too attached to this or maybe this is my preference but it's not that person's preference and maybe my judgment is wrong on this occasion mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. once you open your mind to those things it becomes a little bit easier to to not make those assumptions of people you know or when i meet somebody because we all do it when we yeah. you know when we first met you know you judged me now judge sounds like a a, a negative word but it's not it, it's just you look at someone and you make certain assumptions about them and based off of those assumptions you will have expectations of them but all that does is guarantee you that at some point you're going to get some sort of disappointment. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. all it does. Because you know, I might, you know, you know, you come across a certain way, but I'm pretty sure that you're not like that all the time. There must be times when you're very grumpy and, and tired or hungry or whatever. And that that's okay too. <laughs> but my assumption and my expectation means that that's not allowed anymore. <laughs> Matter of yes. fact, I, I prefer happy Nick. <laughs> no, I know. I, I'm very happy, Nick. Could you could you be happy, Nick, now, please? So now I've got to perform for you. <laughs> you know, it's, it becomes like that. You know, so it gets a bit bad. So I think, yeah, if we could do our best, to sort of practice letting go of our assumptions ex- and expectations of things, then we can definitely then realize, hey, I'm a. This is my attachment. This is my preference. This is my judgment. That does not mean it is so. <laughs> you know. That's uh, yeah, and it applies, and and you know, I think it, it's such a huge topic what you're talking about there, and um, you know, people pleasing. That's something that for me, yeah, is such a such a big one, and it, it, that that sort of applies to that where on you know you 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 make those sort of put those provisions on yourself where I need yes. to even when I'm not feeling this way, actually inauthentically present this image and behave in a certain way because I don't want to let people down and I need to only show that positive part of myself or whatever it is and yeah it's a pressure um, there, it just applies it? to it's such a pressure and yeah. you know and, and it's just it, it's not good for anyone really and you feel like it is but I think at the end of the day people again you know like the authenticity when mm. if you if you can show that but it, it, it it's such a hard thing and putting these pressures on ourselves and I, I love what you know going like trying to look at it the way you were saying where practice, you know, let's just look at yeah. this as a practice, not having that pressure. And um, I, because I am such a perfectionist and I have to battle that and put pressure yeah. and I want to achieve all these things. Like everything I do, a lot of the time it'll start out as a fun thing and very quickly it turns into why is this not, you know, yeah. I need to become the best at this and yeah, like a yeah. new, a, a recent example and um my girlfriend who's in the other room here um, is constantly trying to <laughs> exactly, and she's constantly trying to trying to tell me to just enjoy things more. And <laughs> because, like, a recent example would be, I started making these skits on um, on Instagram and um, TikTok and mental health ones, and you know, actually thoroughly enjoyed doing it. It's it's fun. Yeah. It's something I new. love them, by the way. But, <laughs> thank you, I appreciate it, mate. But they're brilliant. But very. Very quickly, even that, it will turn into, okay, I'm looking at all these other people that have, you know, 10 million followers and they're getting Mm. so much, influencing so many people through doing it or whatever. And I'm like, why is mine not blowing up? I need to make more. What are they doing? I need to make one a day now. I need to do this. I need to do that. And I'm like, I'm hating doing this now. This is not fun. And then- Because it's become competition. Competition, pressure, and then you go back to- yeah. And then you remove all of that and you realize, oh, and this happened to me with acting as well. I'm just like yeah. starting to get back into it. Now I've got this itch to do it again, but it became 
fuck this shit, I don't want to do it anymore because I'm, the pressure is so huge that I'm putting on myself that it's actually not fun. So it's like I've, it's so hard to find that middle ground. Is that, is that something uh, you, you find difficult to, yeah. to, to balance? Well, as, as a practice, again, using, it's so important. If you could introduce that word practice into your life, it's a game changer. It's like if me and you were going to go to the gym, right, and we were going to do bench press and you had a number in your head, right, and you started setting all of these perfectionist traits into your workout. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I have this expectation. I'm making that assumption. I'm attached to this. This is my preference. These are my judgments. Boom. All up in a gym workout. Apart from the fact that's a very intense start. <laughs> yeah. If you, but if you go in there, you've got no choice but to fail at some point in that. But by practicing, you make that failure part of the learning. That's what you do yeah. when you go in. You're like, right, I'm practicing. I'm going to do this and then I'm going to take what happens and I'm going to learn from it. That is what practicing is. You know, I'm going yeah. to try to do this. I'm going to attempt to do this. My intention is to do this. But if that doesn't happen, I'm going to take what happens and I'm going to learn from it. You know, and, that, and, and what we have often is something I call life currents. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I'd imagine from Australia, you've been caught in a rip before you, you've seen someone caught in a rip. Mm -hmm. I got, I got caught in one at Bondi, <laughs> which was <fun. laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I got, I got caught in, no, it wasn't. And it was, <laughs> it was quite terrifying for a bit, but like, you know, we could even look at a very still water and underneath that water is a whole bunch of currents that want to pull us different directions. And they're very, very powerful. And when you're in them, that you, you, they are scary. They are terrifying, but mm. What if you just acknowledge that they're there and, and let it take you where it needs to take you, but, you know, don't do anything about it. Don't take any actions or swim out to the side or mm. whatever it is that they ask you to do because them life currents are there and they're going to want you to do things. You're going to feel that compulsion, that urge to do this or do that, but you don't have to. You don't have to, you know, you can acknowledge them. And it's what I heard you say earlier that you were battling perfectionism. That is the yeah. problem. We need to yeah. accept things. And like the greatest lesson I ever learned in my entire life was I am allowed to accept something. Now, it doesn't mean I like it. And it doesn't mean that I'm welcome it into my life. It just means that I accept it. And if I accept that I've got perfectionism and that I have a tendency sometimes to look at certain things and get a bit intense with it, once you know that, you can actually laugh about it. Because you can sit there and say to yourself, oh, yeah. here, I here I go again, here I go again. And you start laughing and look at me, what I'm doing now. Now all of a sudden I want to be this and I want to be that. Oh, it's quite funny, really, but it's okay. You know, it, it takes away all the judgment of yourself and all that. Oh, you're stupid or you're this or you're that because you just laugh with yourself. You laugh with yourself about it because you've got perfectionism. And instead of battling it, you just make it part of who you are. I know that when I do this, I'm going to want to do this. I'm going to want to do that. I'm going to feel those compulsions, those life currents that are going to pull me towards this. But I don't have to. It doesn't mean anything. I'm not going to attach any meaning to it. I'm just going to realize that it's just part of my perfectionism. It's one of my little quirky traits. <laughs> you know, and then you don't have to be so horrible to yourself about it then because that's the other part of it. You have perfectionism and then you get pissed off at yourself for having perfectionism. <laughs> it's just like a massive thing. That <laughs> you can't win. You're right. <laughs> And then when we talk about comparison, I realized a while ago that actually uh, when I see something in, uh, you know, I might be scrolling through social media and I, like you said, I see someone else who's doing really well or, or something mm. I define as really well. And I start to get like loads of animosity about it. But I always say yep. to clients, like, why don't we switch that animosity for aspiration? What that person's just done is just given me a very clear indicator that that is something I want great thank you for allowing me to realize that that was a goal 
Now it's a goal of mine and I'm going to go for it. The problem was that person was going for it and I wasn't. I didn't know I wanted that. Now I do. So now I can make it part of my plan. And eventually you'll get closer towards it. And, and the fact is you can't really compare yourself fairly unless you're comparing yourself to yesterday. And that's the person you was yesterday. And that doesn't mean that you, yep. you know, you go in the gym and you lift 100 kilos on Monday and then you go in the gym and you lift 200 kilos on Tuesday. It means that, did I get an extra hour's sleep that I was looking for? Tick. Did I have one less biscuit with that cup of tea? Tick. You know, these small little wins that are going to bring you somewhat closer to being a better person than you was yesterday. And that's, that's some during the pandemic, getting out of my pajamas, that was, that was, that should have been an achievement. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was podcasting it through the pandemic and I was literally, if I stood up, I was wearing boxer shorts. <laughs> that's not good. Same here. Same here. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, that's not good, man. You know, so, um, you know, that to me, just getting changed and sticking some jeans on, that was a win at that time. You know, but I just think yes. we're, we're so hard on ourselves, and I see it in you. I because I only because I, I I have it in myself too, and there's nothing wrong with that. Wanting to be better, there's nothing wrong with that. But it has to come from a place of accepting yourself first. And what that means is, I love my job. I just want to get a bit paid a bit more money for it. That's the that's the analogy I like to use. You know, because when when I say to people, oh, you need to accept yourself. Uh, in order to accept who you are now in order to change it they say well that's contradictory I say well it's not because unless you know that you that you accept yourself now how are you ever ever going to make any changes it it, the analogy is um, I love my job everything about it I just wish I got paid a bit more for it that that's the analogy I use and it seems to resonate with people but yeah it's difficult Thank you so much for supporting Move Your Mind. We're expanding the offerings of the organization and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in. The book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com book. And we've just released the Move Your Mind community. We've currently got a men's community group, a women's community group, a general group. We're going to be lo- loading up other groups and you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me. This group's been created based on the needs of what we've heard and learnt throughout running Move Your Mind. And we have live events, we've got courses, we've got huge amounts of value, the ability to share information, share ideas, work in groups together to, to grow and share your learnings, to learn about different topics. You get email reminders. There's a whole lot of features in there. We're constantly updating it. And we're so excited to share it with you. You can find all of the information about it at moveyourmind.me. No, I, I think that's a great way to put it because then it doesn't sound as overwhelming or as complicated or as yeah. out of reach. But because it can become this very black and white thing. And like you, you're saying, you know, you see someone on social media that is achieving what you want or what you've realized you want at such a high level and you get resentful and frustrated and then you project it onto yourself and what's wrong with me and blah 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 Mm. whereas you know you can just give yourself permission to think okay that's you know good on them um i'm where i am right now do i want to be there do i wish i was there now sure but this is where i'm at and how exciting is this that because I've seen someone else has actually achieved this thing, they've given me a blueprint and they're they're literally showing me that this is possible because if they've done it, then there is a way to do it. You know, that's actually a positive. Yeah. If we remove our ego from it. 
exactly that removing our ego because our ego our ego is a is a necessary thing but don't forget your ego was created by your conditioning so everything that everyone has ever told you and taught you has created that ego now that doesn't necessarily mean that that ego has your best interest at heart because the funny thing about ego is that it's always searching and it's only when it stops searching that it becomes useless so why Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Did it do itself out of any work? <laughs> Your ego doesn't, doesn't necessarily want you to find what you're searching for. It just wants you to keep searching. <laughs> you know, that's why, that's why when your ego is constantly telling you this isn't good enough or you deserve better or you're better than that, you're this, you're that, because it, it doesn't want you to find what you want. Because once it does, it doesn't have a purpose anymore. <laughs> you know, it's, no. all your, it's all your conditioning, you know, it's all it is. I mean, it's funny, you said there about emotions, right? And I think that is probably... The one, if I was, if I wanted anyone to take anything from our conversation from me, it would be the importance of our emotional regulation and understanding our emotions. I can't tell you, like when I, when I went sober, I went sober, as I said, because I realized that I was using alcohol as an avoidance tactic from, from my trauma and my trauma was showing up in my life in, in unhelpful ways, you know, and uh, that was affecting my relationship with my wife. It was affecting my relationship with my kids. It was affecting my relationship with my friends. You know, not necessarily in a in a catastrophe, you know, in a catastrophe type way, but it for mm. me it wasn't good enough. I, I, as you know, as as you are, you strive to be a bit better, don't you? But when I when I went sober, I stopped drinking alcohol. That was the first thing, right? But then a little while after, I started realizing that when I get what what most people would call a craving. Yeah. So people would say, Hey, he's having a craving for wine. Let's say I realized it yeah. wasn't a craving. And by calling it a craving, I was giving it loads of power because there's a helplessness to the word craving. Craving makes you feel like you've got no control or you've got no choice. It's just this thing that's inside you that that's out of control. Right. But then I realized, well, no, it's not. It's, it's a reaction. My, that, that feeling is a reaction to something else. What is it a reaction to? a very difficult emotion that I'm either unable or unwilling to experience, right? So I'll be in the kitchen, me and my wife are having a difficult conversation and I start to feel the emotion of rejection, yeah? So my first thing is, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a drink because I want to avoid yeah. this horrible feeling that I'm feeling right now, yeah? So that's my reaction. It's not craving, it's a reaction to a, to a difficult emotion. So once I realized it's a reaction, the wonderful thing about the word reaction is it's got the word action in it. <laughs> I can do something about it, apparently, you know. So I, I, when I, in my early days of sobriety, because I'm always like you, I'm always self-learning, I'm always self-teaching, I'm always trying to take what I can from every situation all the time to knowledge. It, it's relentless. <laughs> it's quite tiring. Yeah. <laughs> so what I, ended up, <laughs> what I ended up doing was coming up with something that I ended up calling the ABC method. And what I learned was an emotion 
can only really last 90 seconds. It can only have an impact on you for 90 seconds. If it carries on past that, it's because you're judging that emotion, attaching that to that emotion, you're thinking about that emotion, or in some way, you know, I would say to people, don't think your feelings into a problem, you know? So I can sit there and I can feel rejection. But as soon as I start attaching to that rejection and applying meaning to it and, and then taking that meaning and judging it on myself, all of this stuff is just all stuff I'm thinking. It's not really happening, right? That's when mm-hmm. I perpetuate this thing and make it carry on. So what I need to do, in a sense, is get through that 90 seconds. I need to get through that 90 seconds without attaching to that emotion. So I'm standing in the kitchen feeling rejection, right? So the first thing I have to do is acknowledge that because we won't do it. We'll just have this feeling. We don't want to go anywhere near it. So we, we go straight to the avoidance or whatever it is, right? So first thing, letter A, acknowledge. I need to acknowledge the emotion I'm feeling. Okay, I'm feeling a bit rejected, right? Now, rejection comes with anxiety or anything, but anxiety is just fear without breathing, right? So breathe, <laughs> deliberately yeah. breathe. For 90 seconds, take a way to breathe. And one of the ones I love is called slow and silent. And it's where you close your eyes and you breathe and you try to take away the sound. Now, if you're a perfectionist, that's fun. (laughs) That will definitely last longer than 90 seconds. (laughs) You'll be there going, I can still hear myself. (laughs) You know, so. Exactly. So so that's the second one. So A is acknowledge, B is breathe. And then C is communicate. Communicate to yourself Mm -hmm. what's just happened. I was feeling Mm -hmm. resentment. I breathed through it. And now I'm okay. I haven't attached to it. I haven't, I haven't judged myself. I haven't created any uncomfortableness. I've just gone through it, you know, and I haven't drunk any alcohol because let's face it, that bottle of liquid has no power over me. It's just a bottle of liquid, but I mm-hmm. give it the power. I assign that power to it. So understanding our emotions, I've got this wonderful, this wonderful chart. I don't know if I showed this to you last time, but it's this chart that one of I my good friends so. made. And it's, it's got all of the emotions on a color. So quite often right, when I, right, right. I'll be talking to a client and they'll tell me about a situation through their eyes and I'll ask them always, what was the emotion you're feeling at the time? And quite often they won't know what the emotion was. So I list all the emotions on here. I've got all the emotions here and they look through them and they'll go, oh, scorned. That's how I felt. I felt scorned. I said, great. So that was your reaction. Your reaction was to be feel scorned. Yeah. So, and the great thing is about, you know, the communicate bit at the end is that maybe some of that emotion that you were feeling needs to be communicated, not just to yourself, but to somebody else. So maybe that means Mm -hmm. I need to go back to my wife and say, at the right time, obviously, not when it just happened, but say to her, hey, you know, that, that conversation in the kitchen earlier, that made me feel really rejected. And I guarantee you nine times out of 10, she'll go, oh, I didn't know. Sorry. No, that's not what I meant. And you'll get this explanation that makes you feel better, you know? So emotions and understanding our emotions is one of the most important things I think we can do, you know? I couldn't agree more. And no, no, don't be sorry. I I love that explanation there. And that's like, I I was listening to that and I'm like, that's really helping me, you know, listening to you talk about that and reinforcing a lot of things that, you know, I've, I'm even, you know, right now working on and, uh, you know, to the point of what you're saying, a lot of the time my, or what used to be my natural thing to do was if I'm in the moment feeling that emotion, I'll be trying to, like what you were saying, communicate it, talk about the actual like frustration and analyze. So it might be, 
you know, working on a project and you're just feeling stuck and you're feeling this severe emotion and frustration. And instead of acknowledging the emotion and realizing, you know, like what you said there, just sit in the emotion, let it pass and move on. I'll be trying to talk through the frustration and the problem and it leads to a tangent that turns into a bigger problem. And you could spend, you know, 30 minutes doing that or an hour just trying to talk about something that can't be analyzed and can't be discussed. And then, you know, doesn't have to be. And later on that night, when you feel clear again, you look back and you're thinking differently and you, you know, you can waste a lot of time rather than thinking, you know what? Okay. I, I can't logically rationalize what's going on right now, but I'm feeling this emotion. I'm just going to sit in this. I'm going to maybe go for a walk, whatever it is, and then reapproach it. And I think whenever you get used to doing that, like you're saying, you can really just, you can take so much pressure off and save so much time and, just make yeah. life so much easier for yourself. Life currents sit right in their moments. They always do yeah. because they make you feel like there's something you need to do or say or or, yes. or something. There's something that needs to happen. But actually, it the hardest thing in the world is to do nothing. <laughs> it's to yeah. sit there with resentment and not do anything. Just breathe, yeah. you know? One of the biggest mistakes, I think, and it happens a lot more in men, I would say, is men mistake anger as an emotion. Now, anger is great. Mm. Anger is there. It's, it's, a, it's an a, alert system that our body has to let us know that our boundary has been crossed. And then it also provides the energy for us to put that boundary back in place. But anger is not an emotion. It's a reaction to an emotion. And that was, yeah. when, I, when I realized that, it's like, okay, I'm angry. So someone comes to me, I'm angry. Right, okay. Nothing I can do about that other than wait for you to not be angry. But if you say to me, I'm angry, and I say, what are you angry about? Oh, because what you said in the kitchen made me feel rejected. Right. Now we can do something about Mm. it. I can't do anything about anger. And men go to, is go to, when it comes to anger, it's it's like, right, that's what I'm going to go straight to being angry. Right. And then I'm going to do, I'm going to build this massive narrative around my anger. (laughs) And then I'm going to maybe even lean into a bit of victim mentality as well. (laughs) And it's just like, well, wait a second. This is not helping anybody. (laughs) You know, but if I want to communicate, if I want to move past the problem and I tell you I'm angry and then I tell you what I'm angry for, not why I'm angry, what's made me angry? Because I don't really know why, not in that moment, you know. Yeah. And if I do, I'm going to start guessing and then I'm probably going to end up insulting you in some way because it will always be your fault, right? Not mine. <laughs> you know? So, so I, I, I say to you, I'm angry. This is what's made me angry. That comment that you made in the kitchen made me feel rejection. That automatically gives you the opportunity to put that right. Because you can mm-hmm. go, oh, I didn't mean that. I meant this. And then straight away, that rejection feeling goes away. Oh, good. Right. Sorry. Got it. But instead, what happens, we go all into our anger. We accept the anger as an emotion and we be angry. And then we say, I am angry, which makes us angry. It's like, well, you're not angry. <laughs> you're just experiencing anger. <laughs> like, you know, so yeah, yeah it, anger is, a, is what is a real trap. You know, a lot of the time, anger surrounds jealousy, rejection, embarrassment, disappointment, all horrible, horrible emotions that are not comfortable to experience. But then it begs the question, is that saying, isn't it? If you're going through hell, keep going. So if you're experiencing anger because of jealousy, rejection, embarrassment, and disappointment, why attach to it? <laughs> just let it carry on. <laughs> let it just walk, carry on walking through. Because most of the time, that, uh, that anger, jealousy, rejection, embarrassment, disappointment can be explained by somebody. It, yes. was, it wasn't necessary. Yeah. You know, like, I'm pretty confident that your girlfriend 
doesn't sit there in the other room thinking, how can I make him jealous? How can I reject him a bit more? How can I embarrass him? How can I disappoint him? No way that she's thinking that. If she is, you might want to get a new girlfriend. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, we, but let's be honest, we know that that's not what's going on. You know, we know that, yeah. you know. So, in a, so what that means is that there's another explanation that's going to be more helpful to you because that's the other part of it as well. It's, it's, it's finding those things that are helpful instead of those things that are unhelpful. Yeah, totally, totally. No, I, I love all I, – and, and I think like we said last time, I think I could – we could probably chat for another two hours as just like each one of these things that are coming up, we could probably spend an hour on just each topic. There's so many things. I think we're going to have to do another follow-up um, <laughs> interview. But the one thing I haven't even asked you about, which I want our audience to – Quick, I mean, you've you've alluded to a few things, but just to give our audience, um, and we'll have links to you know what you do and your website and everything else in in the show notes. But um, can you just give a, a quick background on? I normally do this at the beginning, but you know, we'll talk <laughs> about, about so many interesting <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, but just for them to you know get a bit more of a overview of of yourself, could you just give a, a bit of a background on um, what you do and you know how you got to where you are? Yeah, I mean, I I specialize in human behavior. I, I'm not an expert because expert suggests I know everything. When if you think if you think you know everything, you're probably on the other side of the mountain going down, not up. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I, I specialize in human behavior and self development. And the reason I do that is because I spent the first 25 years of my life allowing my experience as a as a child, which was. Um, a survivor of child abuse and a witness to domestic violence. My dad was a very, very violent man. And um, I spent my uh, childhood watching him hurt my mother and my uh, brothers and sister. And uh, that was hard. You know, that was very hard. Then it shaped mm. my belief systems and my value systems very early on and created a very fear-based um, outlook on life. And, um, you know, having looked through my life and looked back on my life, um, I realized that there were three contributing factors to that. The, the first was that I was mixed race. You know, my father was black, my mum was white. And I'd grown up during the 80s at a time when that wasn't accepted, let's say. You know, people mm. were had certain opinions and feelings about that. Um, one of the stories I tell often was watching an, an elder man spit in my mum's face in the queue of a post office because she had a mixed race child. And watching my mum wow. stand in the post office queue wiping saliva off her face is something that um, will never, ever leave me, you know? Yeah. So there was a lot of, and it, you know, if I want to be compassionate, it comes from fear. It comes from fear. People didn't understand or know what it meant that people that looked different, behaved different, spoke different, ate different foods, listened to different music, all these different things that challenged their belief system about life and all that were coming into their world. And it was scary, you know? Um, and that's okay, but I don't think it's okay to spit on people and to, to to do the things that were done to me as a kid in at school. So out in a big wide world, I didn't feel accepted because I was mixed race. So that plays into the, my outlook and my perspective of life. Then at school, I found myself uh, later at, in life at 30 years old, I found out I was dyslexic, but at school I was made to believe I was stupid. I was also undernourished, so I was never athletic, you know? So at school, I wasn't feeling accepted mm. as well. And then obviously at home, I was going through all the violence and the, the fact that my, I was just feeling this feeling of fear and rejection from my father all the time and 
watching my mum navigate this and watching the fear in my brother and sister's eyes. Um, so that, that was hard too. But I think what I realised later in life as I started to address my um, addiction, which was to alcohol, because that was how I always managed to get through things. And it wasn't until my wife had our first son. And I'd, I'd been through some therapy before that. But, um, and I, ironically, I didn't realise until I went to therapy that my dad had done so much damage to me because I, I, I didn't think that way at that time. I was just quite happy to ignore it. This horrible little feeling I have all the mm. time, I'll just drink it away. That, that'll work. Because I ended up having to leave my family home at 16. I moved out on my own <clears throat> at 16 years old because um, I was getting bigger. And mm. it was getting to the point where when my dad was doing things, I was stepping in. And it was only a matter of time before that situation was going to go the wrong way, let's say. So my mum suggested that I moved out and I got a council place and I lived on my own. And uh, that you know, around that time, it was, it was a massive shock for me. And I, I tell this story. Because around that time was my first ever time when I can't say I was suicidal or anything like that. I don't think I should go that far. But I did have a feeling of wanting to give up because I was working all the hours, God sends. You know, I was working uh, two bar jobs. I was bringing in some newspapers out of news agents and I was um, working in the supermarket some evenings, um, stacking shelves. So I was working all these hours and I still didn't have any money. You know, I, at the time I had this gas carb meter and I didn't have any gas, which means I didn't have any heating and I wasn't able to, to cook anything. And I remember walking home one night and I was crying my eyes out because I was just like, surely life can't be this hard. You know, I'm 16, 17 years old. I'm watching all these people going to college, having fun, doing all these, mm. having all these experiences that you should have as a teenager. And there was me working four jobs, living on my own and still had no money. I uh, didn't have any time to educate myself or anything like that. I didn't even think I was good enough to educate because I was dyslexic and was told I was stupid. <laughs> so I was going through all this. I got to the end of this alleyway and on the floor was 20 pounds. And I thought, are you kidding? Are you actually kidding me? There's 20 quid on the floor. And what that taught me was never, ever give up. Ever, ever give up. Because that moment before you give up, that moment you give up could be the moment just before you find your version of that 20 quid, you know, yeah. because you don't know what's around the corner. You just don't, you know, and life yeah. is trying to help you win. It's not always trying to kick you down man. it is trying to help you win. But I, what I ended up realizing was that I had got all these traits from, from my father, right? This training, if you want to call it that, right? So I had hypervigilance. I had uh, a feeling of dread all the time, which is sometimes described as depression. I had fear and mm -hmm. paranoia. Uh, I had catastrophization. You could tell me anything, anything, and I would catastrophize it. <laughs> that was that was my that yes. was my magic power. <laughs> yeah, and then then there was this inbuilt self hatred that was constantly reinforced in me as a child by my dad. But what I learned to do was something called reframing. So what I do is I take my hypervigilance and. I originally looked at it as a negative thing, right? Hypervigilant because I always had to judge my surroundings all the time in case violence was about to erupt in the room, right? But now what I realize is that hypervigilance is I notice my surroundings and it helps me find opportunities. When I'm mm. working with my clients, I'm not just listening to them. I'm watching their mannerisms. I'm, I'm listening to the tonality of their voice. I'm listening to the pauses that they make in between words and I'm assigning meaning to it all the time. What does it mean? What does it mean? How's this person feeling? Is this person lying to themselves? Is this person telling themselves the truth? Where, where can I find something helpful 
to help them move past whatever it is that they're finding challenging in their life. And that all comes down to my hypervigilance. So it's a gift, you know? And then there's my feeling of dread. Well, we, we both know that the feeling of dread, excitement, nervousness, the same hormone. It's only our yeah. interpretation and our perception of it that creates what it is. So actually that feeling of dread is not nervousness, it's not anxiety, it's actually excitement. So I'm going to be excited. My palms are sweaty because I'm excited, not because I'm nervous. I feel a little bit sick because I'm excited, not because I'm nervous. And, you know, people might say you're lying to yourself, but you're not because it is your choice. It is your choice. So I'm an excited person. <laughs> I'm not a, I've not got this feeling of dread. I've got this feeling of excitement. And then there's fear and paranoia. Well, again, I could battle that all day long, but why would I? Because it's there for a reason. It's there to keep me safe. And I'm grateful for that. But I'm not, I don't need it right now, you know? And then there's catastrophization. Quite often, if you challenge that, you'll realize either it's not true or actually it's not as bad as you think it is. Once you challenge it, once you say, you know, I always say, ask why five times and you'll get to the root of the problem, you know? And then there's self-hatred. Um, I just remind myself the good things I like about myself, that I'm a kind person, that I like to help people, you know, things like that. So once I did that, I started, that's when my self-development really started. And it wasn't until my wife gave birth to our first son that I had a different perspective on my upbringing because I held my son for the first time. And yes, I had all of these feelings of love and, and you know, wanting to help my son grow into a man and, and all these different things. But I also had this other rivaling feeling of like, how could my dad do this to his son? I don't understand. Mm. And I sort of, I became a bit unraveled around that time. And that's when my sort of like psychological journey started. That's when I started to really start to, to want to understand myself, not just in principle, but actually really understand what my emotions are and why they're there and start reframing some of those early experiences. Um, because I didn't get the choice of how I see the world. It was shown to me in a very violent and aggressive way. And um, that wasn't fair, you know? So what I got to do is in a way repair it myself and teach myself what all yeah. these things meant, you know? And uh, what that ended up leading me to become is um, a personal trainer at the beginning. So I was a personal trainer for quite a long time. And it wasn't until I got to my 40th birthday when I was looking over all of my um, uh, testimonials, I realized that no one mentions fitness in there anywhere. <laughs> Everyone says, Johnny helped me change my life, uh, help me uh, look, at, look at life differently, help me do this, help me do that. Obviously, they lost weight, but that's only because most of the time when somebody gains weight, it's a symptom of something that's going on in their head you know, uh, some sort of unhappiness. So obviously they always lost weight or they always achieved their goal, but it wasn't necessarily because, yes, okay, it's because they worked hard in the gym and, and they ate better, but essentially they wanted to do that, whereas before they didn't, you know? And that, so once I realized that, I thought to myself, well, maybe I need to move into being a coach. And once I started doing that, um, I realized what my calling was, I suppose. <laughs> and I started working with people um, to... My, my ethos is this, is that I don't, I don't believe that I have any answers for anybody. I, I'm not going to look at somebody and say, I know what you should do. I've got all the answers to your problem. I'm not that arrogant, but I know that they do because the, the answers to you for your life are always within you. And there was this analogy I, I heard once about a stinging nettle. And it is that if you, if you have a sting, if a stinging nettle stings you, the antidote to that sting is within the leaf. 
But the thing is, I've never met anyone that's ever tried it because guess what? Fear stops them from doing it because <laughs> if you've just been stung by something, you're not going to like, grab it again and start scrunching it up and rubbing it all over yourself, are you? So we'll never know if that's true, I suppose, because I've never met anybody that's done it. But that, that's, <laughs> that's the same with the problem that you're experiencing, not, not you personally, but anybody that's experiencing a challenge or a problem in their life that they don't know what to do about, they have the answer. They just know that the answer is scary. And they don't want to go anywhere near it because that answer might mean you've got to leave your partner that you've been married to for 10 years. That, that, that answer mm. might be that you've got to leave that job that you've been in for 20 years. That answer might mean that you've got to leave Australia and move to New York. You know, all of these things are terrifying. They're scary. They're big actions. So guess what? You're going to procrastinate and put it off for a little while. And my job is to hold up that mirror and show people, no, no, this is your reflection. This is what you're saying. This is what you mean. This is how you feel. I don't physically say it to them. They hear themselves say it. <laughs> and that's the magic yeah. of coaching. They coach themselves. I just, I just hold that space for them because most people aren't able or willing to do that because it's a terrifying space to hold. So in short, that's how I got to being a coach. <laughs> Mate, well, thank you so much for sharing it, number one. Um, <clears throat> what an amazing story. I mean, so many, <clears throat> and I think we definitely do need to do another another interview just because there's so many things I would like to go deeper into from what you're talking about. But but in short, I think it's an incredible story. And, you know, as you were saying, as you sort of went through that journey and then getting into fitness training and then mm -hmm. from that learning that the thing that resonated was more the mindset side of it and what you were, you know, actually giving to these people on that holistic standpoint and then leading I, I'm, a, I'm a huge believer that everything that we go through leads to the next thing and prepares us for you know what we're meant to do and we we mm -hmm. sort of it's all it's like a puzzle coming together and we can't see it being put together at the time and often it can feel like we're so far from where we're meant to be but it's when we look back that we realize that all of these pieces needed to happen when they happened and I think we need to then the more we can learn that remind ourselves that okay, I might not understand what's going on right now and I might be going through a difficult time, but I've got to trust in this that this is preparing me for, you know, the next thing and it's all going to come together. And I think your story is, you know, such a great example of that. So, so yeah, thank you for sharing it. And, you know, love it, love everything you talked about today. It's been, yeah, it's oh, been mate, As always, it's always a pleasure to, to talk to you. We always go <laughs> way deep. <laughs> you know, exactly. we always go way deep. But I mean... If I can leave anyone with anything, uh, you have far more control over your life than you allow yourself to believe. And all of the learning that you're looking for will come from those painful experiences that you've had. Because you sometimes you can only learn not to touch the flame by touching the flame. <laughs> but once yes. you touch the flame, you damn sure never touch it again. <laughs> you know, so, exactly. But you, you've got to let yourself believe that you have the power. You really, really do, because you do. You you do have the power. You know, you are in control of your own life. You're in control of your own destiny. And I know, I absolutely know that very many times in a life, it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you're not. Just means it doesn't feel like that. And if we can make that dis that that sort of distinguish between um our feelings and what's real because we're allowed to feel whatever we feel i'm sure as confident as dwayne johnson looks as we said on your on your podcast i'm sure he stands behind a 
a curtain before he goes out and delivers a speech or before he goes out and does a big scene. I'm sure he's sat there telling himself all sorts of things, you know, but we'll yes. never know. <laughs> we'll never exactly. know, you know. So, yeah, you've got far more control of your life than you allow yourself to believe. And when you're ready to take control, life will work with you. I promise you that. It's a 10-year anniversary of Underbrax, and we've relaunched with the classic white pair. We've also got new styles coming out super soon. We're donating a dollar from every pair to mental health, currently to one in five. You can find all of this at www.underbrax.com. Absolutely. I think it's a great one to end on. And I almost forgot we finish every episode with five closing questions. So these can just be, you know, very quick, whatever quick answer comes to mind. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> if it's possible for us to do it that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but we'll see how we go. But anyway, the, the first one we ask, which I mean, based on um, your story, obviously saying you had, you know, a very difficult upbringing but the first one we ask is what's the the best childhood memory that comes to mind for you ironically i never got to see my dad very happy very often but he did love boxing and one of the things that i look back and remember was him laughing and smiling and watching and playing and doing boxing you know um yeah i suppose if i can hold on to that as a happy memory it's helpful That's that's so nice, and it's you know to yeah. be able to have experienced what you experienced, and then be able to still have that mindset of looking at, you know, how can I have a positive memory instead of holding on to the the anger or frustration that came out of what you went through. I think it's a, a, a really powerful message. So well, he, he's nat- he's native Nigerian, and from what I gather from speaking to other family members, he was subjected to public foggings as a child. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm sure he's dealing with his own things. And I think sometimes if you can just look at things through the lens of being compassionate, it's going to be helpful to everybody. It has to be. doesn't mean I'm not still angry and I forgive and all that sort of stuff. It just means I accept what happened and I understand that he was having a hard time too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, What do you think is the biggest burden on mental health in society at the moment? Biggest burden? Um... How do you mean? I'm not sure I understand that. <laughs> what do you think? Or, or what do you think one of the biggest issues um, on a societal level is um, when it comes to mental health at the moment? So whether it's, you know, social media or, or um, right. you know, just one, it doesn't have to be the biggest, but one, one, of, the, one of the biggest ones, do you think? I, I think social media has a huge impact on us, both um, helpful and unhelpful. But I think... When you see past that, I think it's our inability to nurture resilience by understanding the emotions that we're feeling, you know, and actually, I mean, actually understanding what the emotions are. People don't have very good emotional regulation these days. And I think that that's not the reason we don't have it is because no one ever taught us how. (laughs) That's it. You can't be angry at somebody for not knowing something if you didn't teach it to them. (laughs) That's like me being angry at you for not being able to speak Chinese. Like, why would, I, yeah. why, why would that be a thing? <laughs> I don't want to ever talk it to you. You know, but if you can understand your emotions, you can realize that resilience can only be built through going through hard things, you know? It's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, what's your personal definition of happiness? Um, my personal definition of happiness is firstly to know that it's a fleeting feeling. It's not a constant state. And that 
we are experiencing happiness every day. We just don't acknowledge it. That's, that's great. Yeah, that's that's really, really, really nice way to put it. I, I, like, I haven't heard it put in exact that exact way before, and I think that, that's really good. I like that. <laughs> uh, what are you most afraid of? My biggest fear is to get to 90 years old, sit back in my rocking chair and think, I wish I had. Regret. Yep. That's my biggest fear, you know, is to, to look back, to not be able to do anything about it and sit back in my rocking chair at 90 years old and wish I had just tried. You know, even if I tried and failed, I'd accept that over never trying and never knowing what would have happened because that drives you mad. <laughs> exactly i share that with you i think you know yeah. it's like it's regret isn't it it's like mm. if you look back and you know you gave it everything and it didn't turn out how you expected but you don't you know you at least exhausted all of the things you wanted to try and had fun trying <laughs> you yeah. know and had fun trying no matter what you whatever we qualify as failure we damn sure had fun trying absolutely did yeah you know, you know? exactly um, final one. What are, what are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? Hmm. What am I most proud of? My children. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm most proud of my children. I'm, uh, I shared a story with you before, didn't I, about, about a recent dad win this weekend. Or I, I, I don't like to say dad win. It makes it sound like I'm taking the credit. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, love my, I love my two sons and... They impress me every day and believe it or not, as young as they are, they teach me something every single day. If I'm willing to listen, <laughs> if I'm willing to look yeah. past my ego and see that when kids tell you things, they tell it to you from their conditioned self, that, sorry, from their authentic self. They haven't gone through life yet, have they? And, and had all of their limiting beliefs given to them and, and all of their sort of, uh, I don't know, assumptions and expectations of the world. They're very pure. And actually, very often they'll tell you something, and you'll think it's not that simple. But actually, it probably is. <laughs> you know, exactly. So, we, so I'm really yeah. proud of my kids. Really, really proud of them. That's great. I love that because yeah, we we learn to overcomplicate things, analyze mm. things, put all these provisions in front of it, all this conditioning that we get taught, and kids don't have that. And there is so much to learn from that. So I love that answer. And. Uh, Everything else you talked about, like I said, I think we could, you know, go on for hours and yeah, um, easy. <laughs> love, love having the <laughs> love having these conversations with you, mate. Um, so for <laughs> for yeah, really appreciate you doing it. So for for anyone um, listening, we'll put all of this in the show notes. But where should we send them if they want to learn more about you? Uh, I suppose the biggest platform I'm on is is Instagram. Um, and it's growing slightly on TikTok, but I don't know about you, but I find TikTok is quite slow growth, but we're getting there. <laughs> but um, I, so, I go yeah. by the self-development coach. The reason I go by the self-development coach is because um, my actual name is Johnny Lawrence and um, Cobra Kai came out and uh, ruined my life. <laughs> So that I was be- going to, I was going to mention, I, I forgot to mention that last time. Yes, I was watching Cobra Kai recently and I thought, yeah, yeah there you go. There you go. Yeah. That's, a, well, that's so funny. Let's just say that when you type in Johnny Lawrence into Google, I'm nowhere to be seen. <laughs> yeah. And as much as I, you know, I, I might want to throw some money at my SEO, but I am not going to beat Netflix. So, um, well, yeah. to, be, to be honest, it's partly that, but it's also the fact that I've, I, I've genuinely, when I say, I've dedicated myself to helping as many people as I can with their self-development. 
So if you want to find me, go to the self-development coach um, on Instagram, on Facebook, on um, TikTok. And um, my website is schoolofselfdevelopment.com where I sell the Super Self program, which is a program that helps you go from where you are now to where you'd like to be. So um, yeah, check that out if that's something that interests you. <laughs> Love it. And we'll we'll put all, all of the links in, in the show notes and, and make sure people don't look up Johnny Lawrence from Cobra Kai and look up the... The, uh, the 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 real Johnny Lawrence, the one that we wanna we, we wanna find on on Google. Um, oh yeah, yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> yeah, I need the help. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I appreciate it, mate. Thank you so much. I appreciate you making the time. No, thank you, bud. Thanks to Johnny Lawrence for joining me today on Move Your Mind. If you'd like to purchase the Move Your Mind book, you can go to nickbrax.com/book. And if you'd like to join the Move Your Mind community. You can go to moveyourmind.me. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 